I'm Katia Adler, host of The Global Story. Over the last 25 years, I've covered conflicts in the Middle East, political and economic crises in Europe, drug cartels in Mexico. Now I'm covering the stories behind the news all over the world in conversation with those who break it. Join me Monday to Friday to find out what's happening, why, and what it all means. Follow The Global Story from the BBC wherever you listen to podcasts. This is your moment, your time to shine, your comeback. You're ready for the next step in your career, and you want an education employers respect. So you're not just going back to school. You're coming back with Purdue Global. Backed by Purdue University, one of the nation's most respected public universities, Purdue Global is built for people who bring their life experience into the online classroom. Purdue Global, Purdue's online university for working adults. Start your comeback today at purdueglobal.edu. Are you still searching for your perfect place to call home? Well, now is the time to buy at Fisher Homes. If you're looking to move in before the end of 2024, May could be your last opportunity to start building your dream home and close before the year's end. If you're hoping to move in even sooner, Fisher Homes also has homes that are move-in ready and waiting for you, where you can start enjoying the benefits of homeownership even faster. Schedule your personal tour with a new home advisor today at fisherhomes.com and make this spring the season you find your perfect home sweet home. There's a lot happening these days, but I have just the thing to get you up to speed on what matters without taking too much of your time. The 7 from the Washington Post is a podcast that gives you the 7 most important and interesting stories, and we always try to save room for something fun. You get it all in about 7 minutes or less. I'm Hannah Jewell. I'll get you caught up with The 7 every weekday. So follow The 7 right now. Welcome back to Katie's Crib. In this episode, we are talking. Guys, I can't even I can't even say it seriously because it's 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 so shouldn't be a thing, but it's a thing. We're talking to moms <laughs> over the age of 40. Women who had babies over 40, which by the way, in case you guys didn't know, if you have a baby over the age of 35, it's called a geriatric pregnancy. So whatever <laughs> asshole came up with that name, thank you so much. Definitely a man. Um, so more and more women are waiting to have children later in their life for a variety of reasons. We're going to talk about what it's like, the good things and the challenges and some of the unique experiences that make up what it's like to be a mom over 40. So let's get started. And what's crazy is that this awesome group of women that we have collected are sort of like the Broadway women (laughs) now that I am on Broadway. But sitting next to me, we have my dear, dear friend, Natasha Yvette Williams, who I share a dressing room with over at Waitress. And those are the sweet sounds coming out of her voice because, you guys, she plays Becky in Waitress and she brings the entire house down every night. Um. She's really scary because I do a huge vocal warm-up, and I asked her, how do you warm up for your big song? And she said, I have a Pepsi. And that's how I knew I was in big trouble. (laughs) Now, um, we have also here Rachel Sklar who is also affiliated with the Broadway because she is in a BMI workshop right now on being a lyricist, which is super exciting. Hi, Rachel. Hi. Rachel, (laughs) we met through a mutual friend. Yes? Yes, we did. 
um, Jamie, Jamie. Jamie Stelter. Who you guys, Jamie uh, is a guest on the Milestones episode and goes way back with my husband and me. But I was emailing her like, who do you know that's like a kick-ass mom in her 40s? And she was like, oh, hello. That's Call for phone. Brooklyn. Guys. So sorry. Oh, please. Don't be sorry. We're moms. We can't even remember to turn on self. We can't. Mine is dead. <laughs> Natasha's cell phone's dead. Well, yeah. Jennifer's it's cell phone's on. I think Patty LuPone's not here. <laughs> um, yeah, so I was reaching out to Jamie like, I need moms in their 40s. And she was like, well, you have to meet Rachel. Duh. It's so nice to meet you in person. Thank, Thank you, you for, for having me. Um, and then our last amazing guest is Jennifer Bullock. And she joins us today as also a Broadway mama. Yeah. Um, and she is actually here with her sweet, sweet daughter, Brooklyn, <laughs> who, um, if you guys hear her at any point, she may, Brooklyn might be coming in and out. Yeah. Just FYI. Screaming, you know, <laughs> tantrum. She's almost two, so. <laughs> yes. So, real quick, let's go around. Natasha, how old are your kids and how old were you when you had them? Mm. My kids are seven years. I have a set of twins, uh, boy, girl twins that are seven. And I had them at 40. Seven. Yes, God, yeah. you look incredible. Right? Oh my God. Okay, and Rachel, Say you? Um, it's just me. I'm a single mom. I have a daughter named Ruby who's almost three and a half, and I got knocked up at 41, had her at 42. <laughs> wow. It was not planned, but it was fortuitous. Wow. <laughs> and what about you, Jennifer? Um, I got pregnant after like a lot of trying mm-hmm. at 44 via IVF and mm-hmm. had her, um, you know, from when I was 43 and had her when I was 44. Ladies, let's give us all a round of fucking applause, right? Excuse my language for one. So all three of you, um, it wasn't a surrogate adoption situation. All three of you guys actually got, oh, you had IVF, you said. Yeah. Right? Mm -hmm. Um, Mm-hmm. How many rounds did it take? Just one. I was super lucky. Yeah. That's great. (laughs) Yeah. Um, And for you guys, did you, for Rachel and Natasha, did you guys have challenges conceiving and was the doctor very much like, well, you're old and that's why? Or like, (laughs) I mean, I may have had challenges conceiving that I wasn't aware of, (laughs) Uh, but apparently not. 41 years old and uh, old fashioned. You got straight up knocked up. Straight up knocked up fairly soon into the relationship which was short-lived uh, by my count of the calendar. Um, and, uh, yeah, I guess, uh, you know, what can I say? I just I had the womb of a, of a non-geriatric woman, I guess. Wow. <laughs> and you decided, I mean, you wanted to keep her. You wanted to be a mom. Like, oh, how yeah. How did you know? Like, when you got pregnant, did you know already that the relationship may not work? Or were you... I had an inkling. (laughs) (laughs) But I I always knew that I wanted to be a mom. I had had previously, this happened when I was 41, and during my whole 40th year, I had this, like, quiet internal existential crisis about, did I miss the boat? What am I going to do? How am I going to make this happen? You need willing sperm in order for this to happen. It is difficult to come by often, um, particularly as a single unpartnered person and uh, and it was expensive otherwise and I wasn't in a position to bankroll it or even really honestly think about it it was just uh, so this was dumb luck wow the dumbest luck wow wow (laughs) and um really quick to go back to you Jennifer like Mm -hmm. you had you been trying were you in a relationship for a really long time you had been trying for a while did you start trying after 40 yeah, so I I actually got pregnant at 40 uh-huh. and had a miscarriage. Uh-huh. 
and um, then I got pregnant really soon after that again um, and had another miscarriage. Mm-hmm. And then from there, nothing. Just went, you know, into... So you did have difficulties conceiving. Did your doctor along the way say, blame your age? Um, Initially, no. I was living in the Midwest at the time. Or actually, sorry, I was in D.C. And I was seeing a doctor there who was like, hey, let's do a panel. Let's figure out what's going on with your body. Let's see, you know, if maybe you have a clotting issue or if there's something going on. So they did kind of say, you know, age could be a factor, but it wasn't like this is the factor. So we went and did a panel and did find some things that were wrong. I had did have a clotting disorder. I had um, uh, also an ability, uh, folic acid. I can't, it's called oh, the yeah. MTFHR. Good luck. No, right, yeah. gene mutation. So I had that too. Um, and then I thought, okay, well, we'll fix those problems. Started trying again and nothing. And then I finally went to see a specialist who specializes in mini IVF, which is actually for older women. Um, the theory behind it is that IVF gives you a whole lot of drugs, which creates a whole lot of eggs, like shaking an apple tree. You're going to get unripe apples. You're going to get apples that are barely an apple. You're just going to shake it and everything's going to fall on the ground. And that's what you're going to get. Um, And he was saying that a lot of what you get in an IVF cycle in an older woman is unusable eggs. So he said, rather than give you all of that medicine, we're going to give you just a couple of drugs to create the best eggs possible. And even though we'll only get a couple, those will be the the best so yeah so um anyway so that was our journey cool and uh and yeah and it it was pretty awesome and uh like i said we got pregnant right away um we're really lucky and what about you natasha i had lots of problems lots i um i I miscarried as well like twice it's not funny at all not that part but i um i miscarried um twice and i um but my doctor did not tell me it was my age. She harped on my weight because mm-hmm. I'm overweight. Um, she talked about my weight. And then we also, I'd also got tested and I found out I had a blocked ovary. Only one of my ovaries worked or whatever, or was open. Wow. Um, so then we did some flushing and we did a whole bunch of other stuff. Um, but I had gotten pregnant prior to that and, and miscarried. So I, I knew that I could get pregnant, but just carrying was a thing for me. And then it took like, seven years and I nothing we were trying and nothing oh my god so then I took some um something called a clomid trying to it's some kind of drug that a fertility drug to help your eggs come out um and that's how you more, got twins I think so yeah I mean yeah I mean Did twins run in your family but twins run in my family okay so. but I you know I was having such difficulty for that stretch that I thought they weren't going to run in this family I had a miscarriage too at 35 and the doctor was definitely she only said it once, but mm-hmm. you won't forget it, mm-hmm. which is she said like, well, you know, there's just sometimes the splitting gets, I guess, when the embryo or the chromosomes are splitting or something like that. She was like, you know, it, we don't know for sure yet, but like that doesn't seem to go as easily or as smoothly when you're older. Yeah. And I was like, say what? <laughs> <laughs> um, especially because I feel like you know, we are coming into this time where there's just, there's a lot, I mean, we're just not, 
getting married off at 13. Mm-hmm. We're just not. We are told, you know, right. And, but we're told, like, you can have it all, you know. So you're like, hold up. If I'm supposed to have it all and I'm supposed to have this career and I'm supposed to focus on me and be a badass and get this whole career happening, then and chances marry are the right person and find a partner and all of these things. Like, how am I going to get that all done by a certain age to then be a mom? I mean, it's just it's a lot. I'm Katia Adler, host of The Global Story. Over the last 25 years, I've covered conflicts in the Middle East, political and economic crises in Europe, drug cartels in Mexico. Now I'm covering the stories behind the news all over the world in conversation with those who break it. Join me Monday to Friday to find out what's happening, why, and what it all means. Follow The Global Story from the BBC wherever you listen to podcasts. Are you still searching for your perfect place to call home? Well, now is the time to buy at Fisher Homes. If you're looking to move in before the end of 2024, May could be your last opportunity to start building your dream home and close before the year's end. If you're hoping to move in even sooner, Fisher Homes also has homes that are move-in ready and waiting for you, where you can start enjoying the benefits of homeownership even faster. Schedule your personal tour with a new home advisor today at fisherhomes.com and make this spring the season you find your perfect home sweet home. Like many of us, you might think identity theft will never happen to you. But consider this. There's a new identity theft victim every three seconds in the U.S. That's over 15 million people by the end of this year, equal to the populations of New York, Los Angeles, and Chicago combined. Even worse, identity theft victims often don't even know they're victims. That's why LifeLock Identity Theft Protection alerts you to identity threats, even the ones that don't show up on a credit report, like data breaches, fraudulent bank transactions, loan and credit card applications, and crimes committed in your name. If your identity is stolen, your own dedicated LifeLock U.S.-based restoration specialist will work to fix it. LifeLock protects you in ways that you simply can't on your own. Join now and save up to 25% your first year at LifeLock.com slash iHeart. That's LifeLock.com slash iHeart to save up to 25%. Identity theft protection starts here. The 2024 presidential campaign features two candidates who are very well known to Americans. And yet, there's complexity at every turn. Criminal trials for one of those candidates. Young voters who are angry. The Campaign Moment podcast from The Washington Post gives you what matters. I'm Aaron Blake, and I'm covering my 10th election cycle. My colleagues and I have insights that you won't find anywhere else. So follow the Campaign Moment right now, wherever you're listening. Can we go around and talk about how your pregnancy was as as being in your... Like, did you feel... I mean, I think you can feel like shit at any age pregnant, but but were you told or do you think your pregnancy was different in any way? I know that they do actually do different sort of testing, right, and watch you differently. What do you – Rachel's giving you're, me You're looking at me, so Tell I'm me. just going to go first. Yes, I'm go. short. Uh, I had a shockingly uneventful pregnancy for my first time in the office. I, you know, I was told I was geriatric. I found that amusing, but that was literally <laughs> the only time that I was treated like I was old. I'm in New York. I went to downtown OBG. Uh, down in Soho, 
they were completely unfazed. Nobody treated me like I was anything other than what they'd seen many times or before. Or high risk. Yeah, I, I just, everything, I had a very, I was very lucky. I had a very good, happy, easy pregnancy. I, you know, I just, I had Yay. this adorable bump. Yeah, that. it was, I was, before I, I sort of told myself, like, don't get crazy if you put on weight. Like, don't get, like, just like, whatever happens, you're going to deal with it. Like, you have this baby. You're so lucky. But also, for the, through the first trimester, like, every day, I just be like, please just make it through the day. Please just make it through the day. Because I knew what the risks, risks were, were. And I God. knew I was lucky. I knew this was a miracle baby. And by the time, I mean, I like, I was not... No longer with or on very good terms with with uh, my child's father, sort of probably halfway through the first trimester. So this was the one. There wasn't. There was. Wow. There were no more kicks at this particular can with this particular person donor sperm. <laughs> so, um, so yeah. So I just I did. I had a really wonderful, lucky pregnancy, and um, didn't you know the only th- the only. Thing that that um, went awry was when it came time for delivery, and uh, you know I had a very a diva cervix that didn't you know just Wouldn't didn't want to open, <laughs> and so I ended up having a C-section at the last minute. Mm-hmm. But I mean, otherwise everything was great. You know, knock on all the wood, all knock the places. All the wood. What about you, Natasha? I had a horrible time. Oh, no. <laughs> oh, no. I'm so sorry. Um, I was sick every day. No, from the first day. No, I didn't even know I was pregnant. Till the child, till they took the babies out. Um, I was on my floor in the bathroom because the towel was cold. Um, Just sleeping on every it. day, almost. Oh I was on it every day, but I was in there majority of the time. I mean, my husband would come home and know where I knew where I was. It was on the bathroom floor, and he was like, "You good?" I was like, "Yep, I'm good." And I just sort of stayed there. Um, do you think that had anything to do with age or just... Well, no, I think, been... well, I, I think looking back... Now, mind you, I've n- never carried a baby up until... Except for the twins right. for any length of time. Um, and I think it was because it was twins. Oh, my God. I think it was, I was twins. Remember. I had a horrible doctor as well who made me feel awful. And everything oh. that I called and said, oh, my vagina is clicking. Yeah. Am I Okay. Yeah. Fi- I'm 15 weeks. I was 15 weeks because, yes, at that first trimester, I'm just, Heart especially attack. after having a mis- mis- couple of miscarriages, I'm like, just please, come can I just get to 12 weeks? You know, um, so I got to 15 and then my body started clicking. I was walking and making noises and a little bit of pain. And so I called the doctor and she would be like, yeah, you're pregnant. That's basically it. You know what I mean? That kind of, that's the kind Oof. of doctor I had. No. So, um, yeah, and I should have left, but I didn't even know enough to leave. You know what right. I mean? Right. So at 13 weeks, she said, oh, we're going to have a C-section. There's, n- I mean, I had maybe one test prior to that. And I'm like, but can we just, oh. Have a conversation. She said, no, you're going to have twins. And so we're just going to, you're going to have a C-section. And I was like, oh, oh, okay. Because um, I didn't, again, didn't know enough to ask any questions. Older mom but ignorant, you know, in terms of my body and what it does. Because I really didn't even want kids for until I turned 38, maybe. Sure. And then all of a sudden, it was everything. You know, it was... What you wanted. I woke up. Oh, my God! Mm-hmm. I'm going to get this doing? done. I want this. I want I, this. Yes. And I'm, is this all there is, basically? You know, I, I'm doing what I want to do. I'm, my, you know, I'm, I have my career or whatever. But this is... there got to be more to it than this. And then for, from that moment on, it was about me giving to someone else, you know? Right. Um, so, but yes, the pregnancy itself was very difficult as my body changed weekly. 
Um, <laughs> I did not have a doctor that helped me um, sift through that. that and understand that and and all the stuff I was finding. So, oh, this is means you're you have diabetes, or this means right. blah blah blah. And I didn't have any of those things, but I I did have um, morning sickness every day. Um, Every day, not fun. And uh, yes. What about you, Jennifer? How did you feel? How was your pregnancy? Um, my pregnancy was pretty smooth and easy. Mm-hmm. However, I was pregnant in the Midwest, mm-hmm. so I did not have the same kind of yeah, cool, <laughs> oh, whatever yeah. experience. They were. Were you like, treated old? I like like scared? Were they like high risk? Like this is a high, high risk. risk. This <laughs> is a, like a miracle if you survive. Kind mm-hmm. of oh, yeah. <laughs> I mean, my doctor was great. Mm-hmm. I don't mean that I had a bad yeah, doctor, yeah. but the general the kind of energy. Yeah. yeah, the general. Like feeling when I went in there was like, whoo, she's alive, <laughs> still here, oh still God. kicking. Right. Um, so that part was. Did they have you do extra testing? Yeah, yeah. they do. They considered <laughs> me just super high risk because I had the Leiden Factor Five, I had the MF, uh, MTHFR gene mutation, so and I was IVF. So mm-hmm. those three things together was like. Um, Were you so scared the whole time? I mean, that must compound on itself. Like it, you know, I was and I wasn't just because I was like, you know what? I'm a Broadway chick. Like we keep good. Like we we're we're young at heart. Like, you know what I mean? We're not. Yeah. I mean, you might. I might be like physically old, but I'm feeling like I'm okay. Right. Plus, I was in the fitness field, so I was. You know, I had been working out regularly prior to my pregnancy, mm-hmm. and I was working out through my pregnancy, so I was doing things to help myself. Yeah. Um. But yeah. So anyway, there were lots of extra tests. Um. There was just a general kind a theme of let's cross our fingers and hope that you get through it. And um, I did have morning sickness, but it kind of waned after the three months, which was good. And then after that, I felt pretty well. I didn't have any complications of any sort. Um, my doctor threw a curveball at me at like 38 weeks and was like, we're going to induce you next week. And I had been like, you know, I wanted to go into labor naturally. Yeah, like sure. I was trying. I wanted to be natural. I wanted to go into labor naturally. I wanted to just kind of try to not have any drugs. So that one was a little like, what? I had the same thing happen. And I th- and it was because of my age again. Like, yeah. I think... I think there's I think actually and I don't know because we don't have a doctor's episode but I think there is I think there are actually when you're above 35 certain insurance companies do require you to do extra testing I mm. think that that come with your insurance package of being pregnant or whatever yes. above I, a certain age I'm true. pretty that's sure true. yeah but, I had that yeah 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 um they, that's 35 though right that's, yeah 35 once you're over 35 that's stuff, geriatric test that could hurt your baby too you know what I mean that they Amniotic, or strongly recommend you take, and you know, right? Do you remember Rachel? I did not do amnio. Yeah, uh, I, I felt like <coughs> the other tests had made me sufficiently confident. I mean, who can be confident in anything? But I sort of made my peace with that. That I didn't. I I felt I was so shaky about that first trimester, and you know, the delicate balance of just getting through it. That I was like. I'm not I'm not interfering with that ecosystem. Sure. Yeah, I I was told around 38 or 9 weeks that Albie's stomach was not growing at the percentage rate that they wanted him to and so they said the same to me like you're not going a day over 40 weeks we're going to induce you and I was so pissed because I of course had this birth plan in my head of like I'm the baby's going to go into labor naturally and he's going to decide his birth date. I'm into astrology, all this hippy dippy crap. Um, But he said 
the specialist in L.A., like the number one guy, was like, oh, no, no, you're 100, you're 35, you're not going a day over over your 40-week mark. Mm-hmm. Um, which, you know, that's like a super, you know, in, in Europe and Canada and things like that, they actually have like labor windows where it's like they're, they're good within f- three weeks early yeah, or 42 weeks late, whatever, but – here in the States, it's very much like this date. Um, so I was induced and it was totally because of my age um, because he came out completely fine. But um, so um, did you I guys? Got, I got, I got yeah. a, in. Yeah, I got. Well, I, yes, I had a, like a surgery. Like I went to sleep. Oh, yeah. Um, she had one but, of those labors that we talked yeah, about remember. on this podcast. Oh, really? Yeah. In season one, our my OB was like, oh, yeah, it could even get so bad that they knock you out for yeah, your labor. I, was, I had general. You I was asleep for 12 hours. And I, I met meet, the person that they did babies. that to. And it's Natasha. I didn't meet my babies until 12 hours later. But I um and I didn't find out. Did I tell you the story? I didn't no, find out about me. that they were. Boy, a boy and a girl. I didn't know their sexes prior to. I didn't want to know their sexes. So, um, because I was waiting on the doctor to say it's a boy, it's a girl. Yeah, I really yeah. wanted that sure energy, that to happen. But anyway, so that didn't happen because my epidural didn't work. So, because I have a my spine is bent or something. So anyway, they couldn't get the epidural to work because I wanted drugs. I did want drugs, mm-hmm. and I wanted to just be awake to hear them say what it was. But anyway, sure. um. But anyway, that didn't work. So then they had to um, put me to sleep. But I did. They but ask I, you? Did they say we're going to be putting you under? I mean, obviously, oh no, they I guess they me, have to. They but... said they they have to. They told me they had to put me to sleep because the epidural didn't work, and we had waited too long for anything else. I think to work. So, um, but the the day prior to that, my I had them at thirty seven weeks. Um, but I had a scheduled C section at forty weeks. But when I went in, you know, we were, at that time you're going in weekly or whatever, and um. One of them was sitting on the other or smushing baby A was smushing baby B. Can you believe this? I mean, um, (laughs) so then they said tomorrow you have to come and let's take her out. Take them out now. Um, Tomorrow. So that was my. So they induced you, gave you Pitocin that you tried to do it. And no, 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 they didn't induce me. They I didn't try to do it. I I was always going to do a C-section from 13 weeks. Not by choice, but that's what my doctor told me that I had to do because I was having twins. Sure. That's what she told me. Um, so I knew I was having a C-section, but it was just supposed to be two weeks later than me going in and send them saying, oh, no, this baby's, you know, getting smushed. So let's take them out um, at 37 weeks. Wow. Which they were fine. They were fine. I mean, um, they stayed in the nick for a while, but I'm saying, you know, 37 weeks. Late. So what kind of... Um, like going from what I also think is crazy about having a baby in your 40s and 35. I'm just going to lump myself in with you guys. Um, <laughs> is that you've already been an adult doing your own crap for like a really long time. Like, <laughs> do you know what I mean? Like, I think there are people who have babies in their early 20s or their mid 20s. And like, oh, come on, let's be honest. They still don't even like really. Mm. I mean, you're they're just becoming adults themselves. Do you know what I mean? Like mm-hmm. we're sitting here and like we all had careers and we were working we've had double the adult time double the adult time (laughs) so like was it such a shock for you guys like to all of a sudden you're 40 years around the sun and now we are hi brooklyn (laughs) yeah we're talking about you and how awesome you are you're 40 years around the sun like now all of a sudden you 
you're not the center of that anymore or like your life is drastically changing because you've been an adult for longer. Mm. Like, Well, I, I do actually think that there's a distinction here between being in your being 35 in your late 30s and being over 40 because of the oh, sort of like the intense emotional journey that takes place between, you know, at 35, at least for me. I, you're just being treated like a real adult as a woman. Right. Like, like women are are so diminished and yes. marginalized, and just naturally like it. So career wise, you're sort of like just hitting your stride. You're just yep. that. That was my experience, um, and you know. But also like people change how they approach you like when you're in, when you're 35 they're like so when are you gonna have kids i turned 40 people stopped asking me even if i wanted kids everyone just assumed even my parents <laughs> the conversation just ended so they're like there's like an, it's no chance for you yeah, there's like a personal yeah. internal grappling if you do want children or if there's something that you have been sort of thinking about if you're if you just think you know like I'm going to meet this person or whatever maybe you're in a long relationship that doesn't work out whatever happens because there's a lot of things that can't work out or that go you know as you have not expected let's be honest like you know the the life that goes according to plan is kind of a boring life um but uh the so that you you also there's like a coming to grips with it so for me I didn't by the time I realized I was pregnant there was there the window for but 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 I haven't done this I haven't done that like that had firmly passed and so I think that for me even though career wise I've definitely given up a lot by being a single mom and just I just can't attend the same things I can't show up in the same way but I, you know I always in my head I'm like well I had all that I had all that the mm. freedom to like run mm. around and do everything yeah and yeah. but I didn't have Ruby now I have Ruby and that's sort of that's everything yep yep yeah I think 40 is this huge looming number because my girlfriends in LA like that are single or you know they have that number drilled into their mind of like well it's drilled into us externally it it has to be like if I'm 37 and I don't meet the guy by 38 and then get married by 39 if we want to date for a year and then get pregnant like I'm never going to make it in in under the 40 mark it's never going to happen for me and then what happens after 40 is it just my vagina dries up and is dead like (laughs) clearly not in Rachel's case clearly not in Natasha's case and clearly not in Jennifer's case so I mean I really hope it's still going strong you're good good to go like so I am single I mean (laughs) hey Attach that portion of the podcast to my Bumble profile. Fantastic. (laughs) Katie's crib and the crib notes, you will be finding Rachel Sklar's Bumble. Um, So, yeah, I don't know. Like, I don't know where in society that number. Like, if 35 is the geriatric pregnancy, what is it about 40 that is the fucking thing? Um, Yeah, because... I believe that you're in the same way that I had an experience with, gosh, let's hope you live. Yeah. Um, A lot of doctors just don't believe that pregnancy, I mean, and you know, there is, you know, your body's aging, it's changing, but I know so many women that have gotten pregnant over 40 that I start to wonder if these beliefs that your potential is 1% or whatever there's 2% Mm -hmm. is actually factual. I just don't. I just don't know. Well, they say that over 35, your eggs come out faster. You know, you're producing more eggs after 35 because the eggs are just trying to get out. You got all these these million, a million eggs in your head. You're born with, right? And they're coming out faster because your body's like, okay. Let's go. We're ticking. What's going on? You haven't done anything with me yet. You know what I mean? So they're, they're kicking out faster. So you actually can get pregnant 
easier. No, well, not easier, but with more eggs. But you can. Option ratio right. after 35 because they're coming out at a doubled rate. Did you, so you guys gotta catch them? You gotta make sure those sperms yeah, are swimming straight. Yeah, it's the sperm's you know, fault. It's the guys too. Again, you know? not in Rachel's. But your body, not a, not a fault in Rachel's case. Um, your body can make babies because that's what it's designed to do. From BBC Radio Four, Britain's biggest paranormal podcast is going on a road trip. I thought in that moment, oh my god. We've summoned something from this board. This is Uncanny USA. He says, somebody's in the house, and I screamed. Listen to Uncanny USA wherever you get your BBC podcasts. If you dare. Are you still searching for your perfect place to call home? Well, now is the time to buy at Fisher Homes. If you're looking to move in before the end of 2024, May could be your last opportunity to start building your dream home and close before the year's end. If you're hoping to move in even sooner, Fisher Homes also has homes that are move-in ready and waiting for you, where you can start enjoying the benefits of homeownership even faster. Schedule your personal tour with a new home advisor today at fisherhomes.com and make this spring the season you find your perfect home sweet home. Escape to summer with Victoria's Secret. Pack your bags with just-arrived swim, cover-ups, corset tops, and other sexy silhouettes. When the sun goes down, opt for bold and blingy styles, like the made-to-be-seen Very Sexy Push-Up Bra from the Very Sexy Collection, in on-trend hues like Black Shine, Green, and Citron. For a glam statement, pair them with your favorite jeans and bring the heat. Because life is better in a bikini. Rewind to the future with the VS Archive Swim Collection, inspired by Victoria's Secret's classic looks from the 90s and early 2000s. For endless out-of-office options, mix and match with Victoria's Secret's wide range of bikini tops and bottoms that offer you every type of coverage, from full to cheeky to minimal. And now, in this season's must-have shades and patterns, add the finishing touch with the limited-edition Bombshell Escape fragrance, a free-spirited take on the iconic Victoria's Secret scent. Dive into a vibrant blend of juicy guava, lush palms, and summer glow peony. Shop now at your closest Victoria's Secret store or online at victoriasecret.com. The best conversations I have with my colleagues are the ones that happen when no one is looking, when we're not 100% sure yet what to write. Hopefully, having conversations like this can help you figure out your own point of view. That's kind of our job as Washington Post opinions columnists. I'm Charles Lane, Deputy Opinion Editor. And I'm Amanda Ripley, a contributing columnist. We're going to bring you into these conversations on a new podcast called Impromptu. Follow Impromptu now, wherever you listen. Let's talk about disadvantage and advantages, which Rachel touched on, Mm -hmm. which was, you know, we got to live some awesome adult years. Um, I always think about the disadvantage of like, you know, my mom was 26 when she got pregnant with me and we've had this beautiful, incredible adult relationship for a really long time. And she, God willing, is going to be around for a lot of my son's life. Mm -hmm. You know, she's 62 years old Mm -hmm. and – do you guys – I sometimes think about, you know, like my friend that's dad is 47 and has a newborn, right? It's hilarious, Brooklyn. Um, but like what happens at their college graduation when the dad is 77? 
You know, like, do you guys think about that? Do you care? Yes, I think about it. <laughs> you do. Because you know you're a one-year-old, you're 44, and you have a one, two-year-old. Well, I'm 46. Oh, excuse me. two-year-old, yeah. So, but initially, it never, I never really thought of it until I was at a Walmart in Kansas, and the lady was like, Ma or Grandma? And I just was like, oh, oh my Lord, if mm. you don't know, just don't ask. Mm. And I just discovered other people making a bigger deal out of it. Like, oh, yeah, look at you, you know, just, you know, how are you feeling? How's mm. it keeping up with a toddler? I'm like, what do you think? Like, mm. <laughs> I don't know. So I felt like society kind of made me feel that way. I didn't feel that way initially, but society, please don't eat my shoe. Bro. <laughs> um, but society was making me feel that way. And then as a result, all of a sudden I was like, oh no, you know, I'm an old mom. Am I going to miss, like, am I going to be there for my daughter when she's, older and going through some difficulties, you know. So I started to think of it after society made a big deal of it, which mm. was kind of a, a drag because it yep. didn't really even dawn on me until that point. What about you, uh, Natasha? I um I think about it a lot. And and I thought about it because my my mother had me at thirty two, which at that time I think was Super. old. Right. Because everybody in my class that I went to school with, all their moms were younger than my mom and my dad. So I always felt like I had an older parent um and my brother is 13 years younger than me my mother had him at 42 what um, yeah, wow 42 and she was dead to the world in the bed she could not we were in north carolina um and had her doctor her doctor was great but just society and our environment our community was very um judgmental of her i think um and she's married now married and had a baby but it was it was a surprise to her and um but my brother said something to me about um, because they were 42 when he was born, he has, because my mother passed in November, right. he said he was always expecting them to not be around oh. because they were older. And that was his reality position right. as a person who was born to a 42-year-old mother. So you think um, about it. So yes, I think about it. But because he said that to me, I think about it because I'm like, oh, well, I've done the same thing. And now my kids, my mother's gone and she didn't, I mean, she met my my children, but they don't have that same type of relationship with a grandmother that I, you know, would have wished for them. So that's certainly a downside. Uh, what do you think, Rachel? For me. Yeah. I think about it all the time, too. I mean, I, I thought about it a lot prior to Ruby. My parents didn't have grandchildren. Mm. And I, you know, that was a big part of wanting a child was also to... I give them that it was just part of the package of um and you know we our family it's I have a sister we had a brother who passed away early and sort of we like in the family I it was like this feeling of like oh there's this like peace that isn't happening and then when Ruby was born it, it you know our family was a family of five again and you know, that uh, the joy, like, there's no guarantees on anything. Right. There's mm-hmm. really, like, I think about that even, like, honestly, getting anytime, like, getting into uh, getting into the Uber today, like, I uh, walking into the house, I'm like, like, the, not to be, like, really, no, like, a downer, I, but just, I often think about when I get on the FDR, like, hope I did, don't get into an accident. Like, well, nothing are, makes a more life or death cycle until being a, I'm being right. a mom. Like, I mean, I've never had so many thoughts of like when I'm driving a car just yeah. all of them. me and because you're so 
you just really feel part of this sort of human flow cycle. Well, particularly, in, yeah, I mean, you you particularly have been part of enterprises that have contemplated death in many forms. <laughs> so, I mean, it's just uh, you. Yeah. So I I do. I think about that. I, I don't think about it in terms of me that much. And maybe it's because I'm a, I'm a single mom. I live in New York. I sort of I roll with whoever I'm rolling with. I mean, I'm I I don't feel like the old mom in in the mom group, although I am. But I are don't, you the oldest? Mom I in your I mom am. Group? I am. But it and sometimes I'm like, wow, I'm like Bless a you. decade older than you. Bless you, Brooklyn. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, to like some of my mom friends. But I don't know. I feel. I, I like I'm I'm Ruby's mom. Ruby, I don't think Ruby would look around and be like, oh, I wish I had a younger mom. I mean, I'm sure when she's 13, she'll look at other moms and be like, oh, mom, the other moms are so much cooler. I don't know. You're pretty cool. Uh, I mean, thank you. But your kid at 13, I, I mean, I'm pretty sure she's not going to think it. But um, That would be any age, probably. But I mean, I do. Okay. I think about that. I just, I you know, we're so lucky that we can take like so many like photos and videos like we can uh, we can I have enough and I think about it I have enough sort of digital stuff to preserve like like at least my daughter will be able to know her family members if god forbid somebody is not there at least I'll be able to say look at how much they loved you yeah. right and even though Aww, mine aren't I you know. can't not do it if you want if you want to do it mm. yeah that definitely be, yeah that's not I mean even even at my loss, yeah, I don't think I do it any differently. You know, I don't I don't think I do it any differently because the joy of them is worth even the 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 price is oh I hope I'm around for longer to help them become who I want them to be. So there's this rush to get all that information in sometimes, but um, the choice that th- there was no other choice. You know, no other choice, no other yeah, way, and they had to it. it had to happen yeah. regardless of how. You know, if I'd have been fifty or however old, um, wasn't Janet Jackson just like fifty She's right now? 50. Yeah. Damn. Can we? What about advantages? Because I think I. I mean, I feel like there are definite advantages. Definitely being more established. Hopefully, you know. Hopefully, uh, and able to in terms of care for your child or do some things that you know you would like to do and having traveled or done whatever you wanted to do and yep. had time to do that makes you a more. Um, I mean, I was like in my twenties. I had. Zero dollars, like zero. I mean, sure. I was a waitress, and yes, there's that thing like you don't need money for a baby; you just need you love, love and like yeah. fine. But you like, need I, money. Yeah, but like, I literally they was living in one and room, and I could have done it, but it would have looked very different. And I have to say, I spent a lot of time and career and valued time on my career to get to a place and have health insurance. And I have to say, like these worries about whether or not. I'm going to be around for his whole thing or whatever. It's like, yeah, but then in my 20s, I would have been completely worried about him having fucking health insurance. So it's like, you know, I, I, yes, and I traveled a bunch, which was great. And I got to spend a lot of really lovely quality time with my husband, who I haven't seen in the entire year of Albie's life, (laughs) (laughs) except on stage at Waitress. Um, But what do you guys think advantages for you have been? Um, I kind of agree with what you were saying, Rachel, before how like I didn't really know myself until I turned 40. I didn't know who I was Mm -hmm. or what. I mean, I was I still still feel like I'm learning, but I definitely kind of established myself as a human being somewhere around the age of 40. So like Natasha was saying, like 
I was more suited, more capable of taking care of a child because I was comfortable with who I was. I was not wishing that I was doing other things like mm-hmm. getting my nails painted or club night. No, actually, I never clubbed. Mm-hmm. But you know, but something I mean. like that. Yeah. Like I just was happy being me mm-hmm. and I knew what I would be able to offer a child. Mm-hmm. And I think that nature has 100% got it wrong. I think that women in their 40s are in some, not for everybody, obviously, you can be mm-hmm. super mature and be 16, but a lot of women in their 40s are just more capable, more suitable, more able to be the the mom. <laughs> My daughter's on the phone. Um, <laughs> more, more capable to be the mom that, you know, I wanted to be, mm-hmm. you know. And um, so I think there's a huge advantage to waiting and a huge advantage to really being secure in yourself and knowing who you are and having done all those things. I've done national tours like I've had I've traveled. I've done it. And now it's her. It's everything is about her. Mm. So I think (laughs) the the identity piece that you're talking about, right, is um, for me, I get a kick out of being known as Ruby's mom. Like I don't feel like oh you don't feel resentful yeah. like I don't feel or... like my I don't have an identity or, or it's being subsumed in the mom thing I'm in I'm in a lot of mom groups I love mom groups I, I do like, too I stand for mom groups <laughs> so do I but I and so I see I see so, like uh, you know a lot of women who really struggle with their identity being subsumed into that of their children particularly if they're if they're staying home and so I I mean the first a lot of my friends told me like the first few years are gonna be hard they're gonna be hard it's gonna be hard to see the career things that you want to do you're not gonna be able to do them and it's just it's just par for the course and I and I really did see like a turning point when Ruby was around like two two and a half I just was able to do more things and then I was able to do the BMI musical theater workshop and just you know get have a whole other life but um you know with when you talk about being 40 being more established like I was definitely more established in my career but I was also an entrepreneur freelancer creative so in in my 20s I was a lawyer so if I had gotten pregnant as a lawyer in my 20s I would have had far fewer financial concerns when you talk about living in a room I was in a room I was my first year with Ruby was in my studio apartment on the lower east side that was my like you know like my I I'm in my 30s I guess I'm not going to move when I get into my 40s apartment um and it and it worked it was fine I mean I you know schlepping her in the car seat with everything up four flights of stairs whatever everybody makes it work I and but then also having Ruby or finding out I was pregnant just was the fire needed to light under me I was like okay I'm a single mom I'm gonna be responsible for this child I guess I have to start putting making money you know ahead in the priority list and as a creative you you're always like Money, you know, what I wanted, I want to do my art. I mean, there's nobody who can say more definitively, like I prioritize my creative life over money than a person who left law to be a freelance writer. I yeah. mean, had I stayed in law, things would have been very different right now. Um, but, Not meant uh, for you. Pardon me. Not meant for you. No, but I, but I do think that there is something about no matter where you are, there is something very clarifying about when Natasha said before is that okay, I am responsible for another person. It's not about me anymore. Time to get the financial house in order. Right. So, a couple more questions. How did your um, we talked a little bit about this, Rachel, but did any of you guys have, and you talked about this in the Midwest, uh, doctors feeling some way, but did you guys have any family or friends that reacted poorly or wonderfully to you guys being pregnant at the age you are? Like, 
My, my dad was nervous. <laughs> like, I'd be like, Dad, are you excited? And he'd be like, well, I'm anxious. I'm like, are you but anxious and excited? <laughs> he'd be like, well, I'm excited and anxious. <laughs> um, but, you know, but otherwise, my my family's is We're amazing. For you. Yeah, my, my sister has been a godsend. I mean, I really, I, I often don't feel like a single parent like I like I started something called the luckiest I always say I'm so lucky to Ruby I'm always say we're the luckiest I feel really lucky I am very supported I have a great sister she comes and visits all the time my family super my parents involved, are amazing my cousin Jacob who lives in New York always comes like we have I have a great village you gotta have a village yeah you gotta have a village I, um I don't remember right you have to have a village <laughs> I I don't think I've had anybody unsupportive. I did have people a little nervous for me just because of my losses. Um, and because um, I, when my, my second miscarriage was very soon after my first. Mm-hmm. Um, so I got right back on the horse and they were like, look, can you just take a minute? And then there was this dry spell and I was like, no, we gotta go. Where we go, <laughs> you know? Um, but I didn't have anybody that was really unsupportive. I just had a few people that were a little nervous um, yeah. for me. Yeah, I think I would say the yeah. same. People were definitely cautious around, you know. How's how you feeling? how you feeling? Everything uh, okay? Yeah, doing all right. I mean, do you guys feel that like the support system that you guys are talking about is it? Do you feel like it's different or more involved than I feel other? Like it's less involved. For me. <laughs> Everyone's like, "Oh, you're old sure enough. You got, you got this. Yeah, you, you're in your, yeah. you're good to go." And I will say to that same extent um my father is no longer alive and my my mother is too elderly to help with my daughter so i don't have that same kind of you know oh mom will come over and watch you know my mother-in-law is um more than capable but they live down in north carolina Mm -hmm. so it's far away Mm -hmm. so my family my you know my my older brother he has he's had his kids there one of them's in college already so Mm -hmm. That was the weird thing for me was just having this like nobody really available. Mm -hmm. My younger brother just recently, who's 45, just recently had a child that's six months older than Brooklyn. Wow. So, but we live about an hour and a half apart. So that makes it a little bit challenging too. But yeah, so for me, like the support system is there in theory but not in my everyday Mm -hmm. in my everyday it's me and her all the time no nanny Mm -hmm. no sitters (laughs) just yeah she's here right now yeah she here we are represent love it my um support system is mostly friends and a few family members because i don't have any family near me my husband has a brother a couple brothers here and so their uh family helps out and reaches out but i i miss the because I'm from North Carolina and a big family, and I really miss everybody chipping in. And my sister lives in Virginia, and it's just so far. But we 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 make sure the kids are together every summer. And um, but but I I I would love a little bit more village, you know, mm-hmm. um, just for my own sanity. And, and you're very good at like times. you have a really good nanny system. Yes, I have. I, well, Thank God, I mean, Natasha's today, a working mother. Today, <laughs> today the nanny is great. Um, but yeah. <laughs> It, it's it's you know it's but it, it has not and stopped in seven years involved. it had not stopped in terms of me searching and trying to find a what village is, what works. is right yeah yeah I mean I, I created one I created my village first of all living in New York you have a, a village of helpers in the form of of apps right I can get food delivered to me I you know Amazon Prime I, I can get what I need very easily which is helpful that's still I don't want to sugarcoat 
what what it is to be a single mother or even just to be a mother like like just having a child having the responsibility of a child and the needs of a child it's not like i mean brooklyn is being extraordinarily good right now but it's you know there were many many times i would bring ruby with me to a conference or whatever and like a lot of times even when i'd be i i do tv um here and there and i'd be asked to do a remote segment and it would just be me and her, and I'd be like, the only way I can be sure that she's going to be quiet is if I nurse her on camera. So FYI, if she comes off the boob, we might have to end the segment. But I did segments like that a bunch of times. It was yep. totally fine. Um, it just it does require just some doing. But um, I will say that when I put her in daycare, it's such a fruitful relationship with the other moms. I, I These are her friends. These are her best friends. Oh, I love I, that. I mean, yeah. and I love the moms. That's like We have the greatest time. It really – and so that – that has been a definite benefit to me. So I, I, I have this great village because I do my family. They live in Toronto, and um, it can be hard sometimes. Mm-hmm. It's, it, I, but um, yeah, it's really it, everything seems really easy when you're sitting talking about it. When you're like, <laughs> when it, you have a deadline, yeah, and your child is screaming or whatever, just pooped all over the place. Like, yeah. it's not always it's easy. Mm-hmm. <laughs> can we? I've had some people like like. Talk, talk about this social media or whatever. I don't know that we were talking yeah. about it, but I'm talking about it now. Go for it. Like you know, like you say when you're when you're having those moments where um, your child is throwing macaroni across the room or whatever they're doing, um, being children, and then you, to have the judgment of people. Like say I said uh, I I tweeted one day. Oh my God! Somebody help me! My child just put macaroni all over. Yeah. Blah blah blah. Mm-hmm. And then to have attacks. I've had attacks this no. way. Um, you should be grateful you have those children. And blah. Huh? I was like, oh, I'm grateful, but I don't want macaroni oh, my <laughs> on the floor. Yes. And cheese. It's all in the furniture. I'm, <laughs> I'm grateful. But to have that type of um, uh, mentality come thrown at you and to say, you know, you should know better and you should blah, blah, blah. I think we as women need to help and parents just give ourselves a little bit more of a break, you yeah. know, um, for the human side of what yeah, we that's do a huge common it's running crazy. Theme, yeah. the theme guilt, the guilt in this things. in this podcast because we have so many moms is yes the judgment mm-hmm. and surrounding yourself with yeah. people and loved ones in your village whoever that may be whether it's chosen or blood or whatever mm-hmm. but like people who support you and don't judge you and and um I want to go around really quickly while we before we end and just say, do you guys have any words of wisdom or advice to a either women who are in their 40s and may not have a kid but really want one or maybe a new mom who's in her 40s and just had a baby? Doesn't um, have to be rocket science. Can just be like good luck, whatever. Um, <laughs> say that you can you can be a mom. There are millions of ways to do it. Mm-hmm. Um, I have so many friends who had performing careers who chose to become mothers later in life, and whether they did it with their own eggs, a donor egg, they adopted a child, they used a surrogate. Um, you know, I know literally a, a woman that has done every one of those routes, and they are all so happy and in love with their children. So I don't think that you ever have to write motherhood off. Um, I think that that can always be something that can be in your life if you choose for it to be there. Mm. Love that. That's great. Rachel? 
all of that for sure. I think um, I always I always say that I'm a cautionary tale because I just got so lucky. I would never say you can't plan for luck. Luck is not a strategy. If you want to have children, then definitely do as I say, not as I did, because I flailed for years and and wanted it, didn't want to articulate it. it this it, there's still this sort of feeling like shame in admitting that you haven't found the partner to have the children. Like you know and this was this was all what I had bottling me up and feeling like what's wrong with me what am I am I going to be able to do it doing that calculus of like am I going to when if like when I meet him how soon is it to be able to be impregnated like that's a crazy way to think be in a yet, relationship too like yeah that's... and you don't even you don't need the relationship I have been a very happy single mom I am delighted that she has a good relationship with her father I am delighted that we were never legally bound and I am pretty sure that he feels the same way uh and so i think but i will say also is is in terms of legality is is there's no shame in in asking for help and support the you know the the village kind thank you hillary clinton for that phrase um and uh, and the legally obligated kind too i see so many women again in these mom groups and my single mom groups who say that they they didn't want to ask for help or that i mean it's 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 paying for your child it's it, that's what we do that's what we all do what all parents should do i love that i just have advice for just uh, dittoing everything that has been said before if you want children do it just do it do like nike i'm a supporter of nike yeah. um just do it um because and that doesn't mean you have to birth them or egg or them or whatever it doesn't yeah, doesn't mean anything it just means see a child that that needs and you can go and parent and help and help that parent or mentor or do whatever you can to sort of feel the need or the emptiness that you might feel inside of you if that's what you're feeling for being a mother if you want to be a mother be a mother and it doesn't have to be a child that comes from you Mm -hmm. Um, and then if you are an older mother I want to say just leave all the shame the guilt the judgment and all that stuff out the door love your child do the best you can every day get up do the best you can try to do better than you did yesterday Mm -hmm. and that's all you can do Yes. I cannot thank you guys. Thank you. Thank you, Natasha. Thank you, Rachel. Thank you, Jennifer. Thank you, Brooklyn. Brooklyn. (laughs) Thank you guys so much. This is so inspiring. I can't even tell you. And now like Brooklyn says, bye bye. Bye, Say bye, bye. Katie's crib. Can you say that? Bye. Bye. Thank you guys so much for listening and for your amazing feedback and tweets and messages and reviews and sharing Katie's Crib with your friends and your family. It means so, so much to me. So please keep it coming and check us out on Shondaland.com. Make sure to subscribe so you never miss an episode. We're on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, and wherever you get your podcasts.